Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the British Wrestling Experience, right here on postwrestling.com. I'm Benno, with me as always is Jamesy. Jamesy, how's you? I'm good, Benno. Not too bad at all. Um, I suppose a little bit more relaxed than we were two weeks ago, given the, the serious nature of the things we were talking about. And um, yeah, happy to keep the conversation going, I think, which is something that's that, that's really important, I think. And now that it has quietened down a little bit in, in general circles. Definitely, definitely. Well, to help us keep that conversation going, uh, joining us again uh, for the second time. Uh, well, actually, it's technically the third time because <laughs> behind the scenes, we've had some gremlins tonight and there's no Martin people <laughs> might have noticed. Uh, but here with us again, it's Emma of the Gorilla Island podcast. Emma, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm delighted to be back again. Oh, again, yes, we did. Uh, we tried to record yesterday, <laughs> just to uh, to explain to everybody. So this might be a little bit uh, thrown together. The show we did. Uh, Martin was planning on joining us, but I think he's having some uh, some internet problems. Uh, so yeah, we are tra- well, second time trying to record, Emma. So we do appreciate you uh, you coming back and joining us. I think this is uh, all, all it is really is just the Irish are taking over. You two, it's just me now. <laughs> I feel very much outnumbered. You are, yeah. <laughs> We're getting the Brits out one by one, Emma. I, I, I came on this podcast a year ago with a mission and we're slowly, slowly putting it into action. Yeah, just oh. wait for the next episode. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Gorilla Island pals are going to be coming. I can feel it coming now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, we, we, um, we wanted to kind of, you know, we're going to maybe go into in a bit of detail some of the stories we talked about on the last episode, maybe catch people up with some of the news that's come out in the in the last couple of weeks, but we have had a, a couple of weeks more to digest it. Obviously, last time, Emma, you're a fantastic guest, and we had lots and lots of uh, great feedback for that episode, but it kind of had to, you know, considering the circumstances, it was kind of an all-business podcast, so we did want to kind of, you know, we didn't really get a chance to to chat with you properly uh, about, you know, your your fandom and the uh, the Gorilla Island podcast and uh, how you met Jamesy, uh, which is a story I never get bored of hearing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, do you want to tell people a little bit about uh, your podcast and uh, and your background here? Um, yeah, so I um, pretty much have been a wrestling fan all my life, obviously dipping in and out like most people have. Uh, but it was always something that I watched by myself because <laughs> nobody else likes wrestling in the real world. Um, so it was always something I just did, in, not in secret, but that I would just um, watch by myself in my room. And I got really into, I suppose, obviously grew up watching WWF and then WWE and then I discovered American Indies and PWG was kind of my gateway into that and so and then about two two and a half years ago I started going to OTT and I met all these other wonderful people (laughs) and Jamesy being one of them Um, and I met Sarah, Zig and Barry and we decided, well, we were coaxed into doing a podcast by Zig um, about uh, PWG. So it was something that me, Sarah and Barry had always watched, but it was a blind spot in Zig's fandom. So he thought it'd be a good idea to just kind of have us all watch it together from the start and take him on this PWG journey. And that's what we've been doing. Oh, nice! Take it. The thing is, with like with PWG, it's kind of like 
where do you even start um, with somebody who's coming from the outside? Like, Zig's kind of on the uh, is he on the Brock Lesnar schedule at, at this point on your uh, on your podcast? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I always enjoy listening to your stuff, and I just kind of I think for me, like PWG's a, a company where I've jumped in and out over the years. Like, I went to the well, we were talking about yesterday the the Orpington shows way back when. I'll jump in every now and then if like there's a, a match particularly I want to see, but it's like it's a it's a promotion where like I haven't really followed the story right through. Um, so yeah, I don't think kind of I don't think there's many people kind of doing that with PWG. So, so leave it leave it to you guys for the uh, for the Irish to do it <laughs> where uh, where some where the slack needs picking up for uh, the more native PWG fans. Well, definitely, it's just it's crazy to see kind of people how they got their start like there's a lot of guys that you would have had no idea were in pwg and like say oh five oh six so it's always great to see them kind of pop up and then they have these matches that would be a dream match in today's eyes um but then but they're having it back in 2005 in like a jewish community center in front <laughs> of 15 people mm. um and it's still it's really good wrestling. Yeah, that's it. Like for for me, and I think James, you're probably the same thing. It was like it was mainly Ring of Honor I was following those days. Like, and I'd be I jump in to the odd DVD. The commentary always put me off, you know. And they, they did a lot of like the 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 it was basically comedy stuff, wasn't it? Where they were just chatting amongst themselves yeah. and ignoring the, the the kind of the action in the ring and like the me being a hard nosed work rate head as I'm sure you were, Jamesy at the time. I kind of didn't take <laughs> PWG that seriously, but yeah, if anything, PWG carried that uh, that work rate banner uh, a whole lot longer, Jamesy. Oh yeah, you couldn't be a self respecting ROH bot. Back in the back in the early to mid two thousands, and also be saying that PWG was good, like that wasn't that just wasn't part of the deal. Like you, you were, it was like supporting a football team, wasn't it? I know you, you had mm. one team, and everyone else was shite compared to you. You know what I mean? But um, I, I like I love the podcast because I don't have any basis to work on with PWG. It's, it's a promotion I've dipped into here and there. I, I'd have watched when it became the super indie, and you know the the big bowlers were happening, say between. 2015, 16, 17, before the Indies kind of got raided again. That would be the extent of my PWG watching. So, so to see the guys going back and and to be talking about stuff like a young Brian Danielson appearing for the first time like that, that, that feels like a big deal to me to hear about what he was like back then and that kind of thing, you know. So, mm. so yeah, great podcast and, and a great education for me to listen in. Definitely. And when long we, may it continue as well. When are we starting the ROH one, James? When's it coming? <laughs> oh, that'll be a rivalry now. You see, <laughs> we'll have to we'd, we'd have two, two, two retro, two retro mid two thousands indies podcasts on the go. That'd be a big rivalry, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd be on for a Benno if you were. Oh, definitely. We'll have to uh, pick and choose maybe a little bit, but yeah. Oh, I, I, I think we're we're gonna we did that at the podcast, didn't we? With Joe uh, here, where we talked about yeah. the, the first Liverpool shows. We've kind of got a, like a a tentative plan to come back and, uh, and maybe re- revisit some more UK shows, but totally. I'd be up for going for the start to be honest uh, right from the the problematic first show uh with the christopher yeah. street connection kicking things off right. uh, but with yeah. that great main event um wrestling in the uh, the mid 2000s of its its own problems shall we say uh, and yeah right through those gabe years i don't think i'll be able to go as far as 2009 2010 but i think there's legs in that i think we could do it 
I don't even think those years count, Benno. Once, <laughs> if you get to 07, 08, I think you're doing fairly well. And after that, it's 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 not even the same promotion. It's something totally different. Agreed, agreed. Um, I was going to ask as well, actually, on that point. Like, Emma, are you an Evolve fan or all? Uh, like, uh, with... No. Oh, no. Never got into it. I, I wonder, because that's the thing. I think we, being like fans of like those mid-2000 indies, especially me and you, Jamesy, being kind of you know the roh bot who were and gay bot who were shouldn't we be mourning right now that uh that evolve is over and I, I don't really care i mean for anyone who doesn't know they seem to have the the same stipulation in in their deal with wwe that is rumored progress and icw have and i believe it was reported that there was uh interest in someone buying evolve with them having lots of money problems uh this year based on wrestlemania weekend being cancelled and wwe uh if the reports to believe from uh, dave Meltzer had their uh, executed uh, their right to buy Evolve and it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, we should surely, as mid 2000s indie fans and as Gabe fans, should be crying tears into this podcast right now, no? <laughs> well, it's, it's a funny one because by the time Dragon Gate USA, say, came along and that was kind of where Gabe went after ROH, I was kind of checked out on indie wrestling, I would say. And I would I would be viewing everything through the lens of the peak of ROH. You know what I mean? So I, I'd be comparing everything to the ROH CZW feud or the Joe Kobashi or, or those great WrestleMania weekend shows. And in my eyes, none of us ever lived up to any, to any of that. And it was, I was probably being a little bit harsh in that. When you look back, there are some, like there is a good back catalogue there. When you look back, things like, like Brian Danielson against Shingo. And you look at who those two guys are now in wrestling and where they are now. You know what I mean? That there are definite gems in that back catalogue. And I would say like, you know, I, I think, Yes, by the end, Evolve was in irrelevance and they were having shows and like you wouldn't even know on the timeline they were having and they became a place for people in the performance centre to go who couldn't get a match in on, on the Largo loop and that kind of thing. But in, in, like in 2015, 2016, I do think Evolve was a genuinely really, really good promotion. And like it, it, the wrestling that was always kind of put forward in that promotion would be very much my kind of wrestling a lot of mat work mm. you know that, that awful phrase grapple fuck was kind of <laughs> coined out of ROH out of Evolve becoming a thing there in, in, in the middle of the last decade um, so from my point of view like there's a certain sadness when I think back to those shows and I think back to the rise of Thatcher Drew Gulak there was an awful lot of good stuff you know and I do think there is some value in that back catalogue and if that back catalogue does end up going up in the WWE network that's a draw for me. And that's something that would get me maybe shelling out my tenor a month every now and again to look at those matches, you know. So as I said, it, it became an irrelevance, but it was relevant at the time. And I think the point has been made as well that a lot of people came through Evolve and a lot of people were made in Evolve and an awful lot of people who now have jobs with WWE probably wouldn't have got them. So it, I think you called it a stepping stone uh, on the spotlight, Ben. And when it very mm. much was that, you know what I mean? I, I think PWG and Evolve in the last decade were the stepping stone promotions. If you made it to them and if you were featured heavily on those, you had a very good chance of getting a job. Yeah, that's it. And it was like, you watched, no one was really watching it, but it still had that rep, like you said, for being the stepping stone. But it wasn't like, it was like, the ho- I think if anything, PWG kind of became more the, the stepping stone. So, like, talk about you know uh, what, what you'd be a fan of, Emma. I think that kind of became the the real stepping stone to WWE. Uh, even if like yeah, a, a big selling point of evolve towards the end was just the fact that well, you know, come in, do our tryouts. You uh, you might get seen by a WWE scout, and 
in reality, I think you were probably more likely to get scouted by William Regal doing his twice yearly trip to to Reseda um, back in the day. I think with PWG, um, the wrestlers had a lot more kind of control over what they were going to see. So they were just going. They had their one chance to put on a good match. They didn't have to worry about a storyline. They didn't have to worry about the kind of the the heel face dynamic. It was it was really just okay. You're going to get to put on a really good match in front of a molten hot crowd in Reseda. It's going to be talked about on Twitter. People are going to be waiting to get the DVD so that they can watch it. So then it'll be talked about again in six weeks or in two months. Whereas with Evolve, it did kind of then, it turned into the kind of same sort of WWE storyline based, which is good and which is good for a promotion. But I think for an independent wrestler to really show themselves. PWG was, there was a lot of kind of honor in it. Mm. Yeah. They kind of, it's like a, a badge of honor, isn't it? To be, to be a, to be somebody who makes it that far and, and breaks out. Um, but yeah, that, like you said, James, I think for me, I was never an Evolve fan. I, I was never really taken in by, you know, the, the grapple fuck style, even if I've maybe kind of come around to it a little bit more now, and maybe some of that older stuff is going to stand out better. Like, I was only really, to be honest, tuning in many weekends um, for Evolve to, to check out the big matches and, and to see that stuff. Um, but, you know, may, maybe there's a... Uh, maybe we're going to miss it now that it's gone. Maybe, you know, the, that WWE Network back catalogue is going to be, you know, uh, going to be worthwhile and it's going to be something that maybe we have, you know, we, we do deep dives on and, you know, we joked about doing a, a PWG in a, or an ROH podcast. Maybe, maybe in 10 years we'll be sat here doing an Evolve Retro podcast. Who knows how things might go once it ends up on the network. Um, any chance, do you reckon, of uh, progress and ICW ended up on there this year? Feels likely, doesn't it? Like, I feel, I feel like that could happen if, uh, if Evolve's anything to go by. Yeah, it's maybe it would be for the best at this point. Mm. <laughs> as we as we segue into British rest talk, I suppose <laughs> like uh, the the thought has crossed my mind several times in the last few weeks. Like you see, Evolve been bought out, and that being the end of the promotion, would this be the would this be the worst thing mm. if Progress and ICW went the same way? You know what I mean? Like like ICW have already said that they're not running any because of coronavirus. They're not going to run again this year anyway. So it's like okay. Okay, they're off the table. You look at the fact that the progress, the three owners of progress have basically jumped ship and have gone and have run away and, and left it. They've left it with this very tenuous management company that was hastily assembled in the space of 24 hours. Mm. One of the people they appointed to run the show was gone already. It's, it's so messy and it's such a mess. You wonder, they, the thought must be crossing those guys' minds. Will we just cash in and be done with it and, and go and do our NXT UK jobs? And like it really felt to me that the big feeling I got from from those press releases from Progress at the you know when the speaking out movement happened, it felt like this promotion is such an afterthought to them and almost like it's an inconvenience to them mm-hmm. that it's this nuisance of a thing that they God we better put a statement out because people are giving us grief on Twitter. It feels like this is very much not their priority anymore, and. You know, the whole thing is so damaged and the people have turned against it, I think. And so like, I see people who were progress lifers on my timeline who never, ever could countenance any any criticism whatsoever. They've turned on them and they're not happy with them. And if they've lost those people, then you wonder what is left for them. You know what I mean? And maybe 
things like this happening is the fresh start that Britrest needs. And these are the very, very fundamental changes, like certain promotions just going away, the likes of Fight Club Pro as well, which we'll talk about later. Maybe that's the change we need for things to get better. You know what I mean? Just a, a fresh start from that level where these major promotions who, who like three or four years ago were drawing thousands into big venues, now we're saying that maybe them going away isn't the worst thing. And that's mm. the point we're at at this stage, you know? Yeah, it's kind of scary. Um, I assume you were never a, a Progress regular at any point in time and you never owned a, a Progress t-shirt. Um, you're not one of those people James no. is describing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really wasn't. But I would always keep up with it. Mm. Um, well, maybe not in the last two years. But when it was at its height, I definitely sure. did always keep keep up with it. And I, I think actually I was in kind of the minority when Progress got, when they released the statement Obviously, I thought that was, um, I thought it was poorly done. But when they kind of, when they did assemble this sort of, this crew together and they were like, okay, we're going to make changes. This is, this is what we're doing. We have a new, we have a new crew in here now and we're going to, you know, be transparent and we're going to get things moving. And then I, I was kind of like, okay, well, this is something they were doing it. And they're like, okay, I'll you know, I'll take this. And Michael Oku was being very vocal and he was, you know, he was tweeting about it. And then some screenshots of a group chat that he was in came out and it was seen that he had used homophobic language. Mm. And then all of a sudden he steps down and that was it. And we haven't heard anything from him since. And I have to say, I'm really disappointed in him. I'm disappointed, obviously, first in the language that he was using, but that he just decided instead of saying, you know what, I've been caught out, I'm going to make a change and I'm going to stick with this and I'm going to be completely transparent and you're going to watch me make this change. You know, why wouldn't he use this to kind of, for if he really did believe that they could make a change of progress, why didn't he stick with it? Why didn't he say Okay, do you know what? What I'm going to do, working on progress, I've been caught out using homophobic language. I am now going to make sure that no homophobic language is used in progress, not in promos, not by talent. It's not going to be stood for, you know, by any of the fans. You're all going to learn from my mistakes and I'm going to learn while I'm doing this. But instead, he has just gone silent. He's not, you know, retweeting any support. He's not liking any tweets, supporting anyone. It's just, it's incredibly disappointing. But it, to me, just shows that this the whole thing has been a mess and it really, they really did rush into it and they mm. haven't thought about it at all. Yeah. It's one of them. Like I, when the news first came out, I was kind of somewhat sympathetic, at least to the idea of maybe thinking, I'm a distraction from this. I should get out the way. I can kind of see that logic, but to just disappear, like, I, to be honest, and he's not the only one, a lot of people seem to have been pulling disappearing acts after these uh, these last two weeks. Um, I hadn't noticed that he'd gone that quiet. And now that you say it, yeah, you know, it's that that's very, very concerning. It's, uh, you know, and like I say, he's not the only one, you know, Glenn Joseph, progress owner out of progress you know it, it the company uh accounts on on company house show that he's he's no longer uh, at least as far as we know um an owner of progress that he may still own some shares that part of the story 
isn't immediately clear right now. Absolute silence from him as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's yeah. he's on other forms of social media, Jamesy, you know, um, posting motivational quotes and, and life advice and stuff. And not, not to get too personal about it, but, you know, this is this is a big person in in wrestling culture this is a person who you know one of the the three people behind progress and their and their growth um and and, you know that their glory is and then also somebody whose name while we don't have any concrete allegations is a name that has been has came up um during these discussions about speaking out um i know for a fact you know dan maloney did did raise uh, some concerns about uh, his dealings with with female talent all of this has obviously led to him leaving progress, and yeah, he's kind of walked away. And you know, maybe the, I suppose there is still time for him to to come out and say something. But he's kind of uh, done a bit of a runner, or at least that's uh, that's how I see it. Yeah, and I immediately think back to the last podcast we did, and the one thing you know, we're here to learn from Emma and her words of wisdom. And the one thing that has stuck with me since talking and since listening to Emma was her point that like we were all trying to make the point that, that we put women in position of power and, you know, mm. and Emma's straight away saying, well, hold on. Why are we just, you know, we've messed up Britress. And I say we as in men have messed up Britress. We've made a mess of everything. And now we're just going to jump ship and dump it on women and let the women fix it. And like that literally is what has happened in progress. There are just women, as far as we know, there are just women left in charge of progress now. And is that fair? Is this their mess to clean up? Why should it be up to them to do it? You know what I mean? And like, I've been very, very angry and very vocal, especially today and in the last few days, about people who haven't spoken up. And I've had people coming back at me saying you're being unreasonable and you're you're not being fair on people. And some of these people have heard awful things about their friends. And I accept that. That's difficult. You know, if you have somebody that you thought was your friend is, is, is accused of these terrible acts and terrible crimes, that is a difficult thing to deal with. And I, I do sympathize and I do understand that. And if I was in that situation, I would be very upset and, and I would be wondering what I should do. But we have to understand that, that, that a lot of the most powerful people in British wrestling are men. And I don't mind naming them. Zack Sabre Jr. Mm. is seen as the greatest British. I, I think he's the greatest British wrestler who's ever been. He has a huge platform. He works for a major company. He is respected by everybody in British wrestling. Um, and he is the person that is one of the most, like he is loved in part because of his political voice, about his, because of his social conscience. But he is seen as a person who speaks out when he sees things are wrong. Like his last tweets on Twitter are him retweeting the news about Marcus Rashford and the great things that he did for for children in poorer parts of, of the UK. So there's a person who, when he sees something wrong, is fully prepared to lend his platform to those things and to speak out and to talk about how he supports this thing and condemns other things. And then we have a situation where in his career, in his workplace, in, in in the very scene that he's grown up in, the biggest scandal to ever hit it erupts and he goes quiet. Mm. And what's motivating that? I don't know. I'm half afraid of why he might be going quiet. I'm not trying to cast any aspersions on him, but your mind does wander to a place when thinking, why would somebody be quiet at a time like this? But at the very least, I think it's cowardly 
I think it's spineless. And I think that at the time when British wrestling needed him the most, he didn't speak up. And as I said, the, the excuse that he's upset because his friends Marty Skrull and Will Ospreay have been outed for, for doing awful things, that washes with me to a certain extent. But we're going on three weeks now and he still hasn't said anything. And what about his colleagues in Britress who were victims? You know, he, he has friends in Britress who I'm sure are women and men who have been badly treated. What about them? At some point, you have to stop thinking about the people who are being accused and think about the people who have suffered. And I'm very, very disappointed in Zack Sabre Jr. I, I really believed in him. A lot of people believed in Zack Sabre Jr. And he's let them down. And he's not the only one. There are other people. I think the Schadenfreude crew have been too quiet. They're leaders. They're respected. They're looked up to. They have a huge platform. When they speak, young fans listen. Young fans revere those guys. They, they, they will buy their merch left, right and centre. They are beloved by everybody of a certain age that follows Britress. And they're crying out for leadership. They're crying out for someone to speak out. And yes, they have made token tweets about things. They've retweeted a few things. They did it after they were shamed and they did it after people started calling them out. They didn't do it because it was the right thing to do. And they've been very, very quiet since. Um, you know, and I'm not picking on them. Tyler Bates, nothing from him. I, I, I remembered the name Pack today, another high profile name, looked at his Twitter, absolutely nothing about it. These are people with an international platform who people listen to. Um, and like, I, I feel like there's been a lull in the conversation in this in the last few weeks, it's kind of died down. A lot of the accusations have kind of slowed down and they're not coming as frequently as they were. And we need to keep this conversation going because my big fear is the whole thing is just going to peter out and mm. it's just going to kind of go away quietly. And I think a lot of fans and a lot of people in British wrestling would like it to go away and that people just kind of forget about it and we go back to running shows when the pandemic is over. And that can't happen. And that's where people with a platform have a responsibility. And as I said, these are high profile people that should be doing more and aren't. Totally. I think Emma, for the for these people, for me, I like I, I don't wouldn't say I feel angry, I just feel extra disappointed is probably the way it's like you mentioned Chris James James, you just mentioned Chris Brooks and Chris Brooks is someone who, like you said, James, he's someone who, who these these Schadenfreude kids who dress head to toe in Schadenfreude gear look up to. Like he's a he's an important voice in Brit Res, and he's done a, a certain amount of you know amplifying voices, and there was that kind of weak Schadenfreude statements at the start of all this, but he's kind of just gone back to quietly wrestling in Japan, um, and it's been forgotten about a little bit. Never mind the other Schadenfreude dudes like. Zack Sabre Jr. is obviously a big one, you know, he's he's the logo of this podcast, let's be frank, you know, it's the it's a picture of Zack Sabre Jr., you know, like he's a, he's an icon in British wrestling, and like you rightly said, Jamesy, he's a political, politically minded person who's outspoken about so many things, so if it feels like, sounds like we're picking on, on, on him as, a, you know, he's just this wrestler, he is, but he's also a wrestler who, you know, wears his heart on his sleeve when it comes to political stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm someone who I, I was happy to give people time to collect their thoughts. This is a story very close to home to people. You don't know what's going on in their own personal lives or how stories like this could have affected them in the past. But yeah, I think my, you know, my patience and my maybe disappointment is turning into a bit of anger at this point. And I feel, it feels like a, a lot of people have a, a candor in that, that boat now. 
yeah and like I echo completely what Jamesy said and what you said it's it's so disappointing when you and when you have people on Twitter you know the defenders the constant defenders saying well why should they say anything you know you know he's like Zack Sabre Jr is busy and you just think Zack Sabre Jr he comes out to a song um on the indies he comes out to a song by idols called mother which literally has mm-hmm. a, a verse in it about sexual violence and about you know it it's it says it's sexual violence doesn't start and end with rape it starts in our books and behind our school gates men are scared women will laugh in their face whereas women are scared it's their lives men will take Zach Sabre Jr. comes out to this song on the indies in Britain and now you know now he doesn't live by this now he's going to shut up it just doesn't make sense to me it's it is so cowardly he can't come on this platform of being this socialist kind of hero and when social issues that are so close to him are going on he stays quiet it's I don't know Mm -hmm. he's going to have to say something at some stage and I don't know will it ever be enough yeah it's one of them you know he's again someone far you can say he's far away from home you can say he might be affected by this more personally than we know, but yeah, I think even even playing devil's advocate on that, I think that only goes so far. You know, it's it's been long enough now. We we had the there was that New Japan Q and A thing, wasn't there last week, where God, <laughs> allegedly he was going to come on and answer questions for New Japan fans, and then they just got bombarded rightly with questions about speaking out, and then quietly that quietly that got cancelled. Um, it it's just really adding to it at this point, isn't it? And it's gonna even even just you know putting some kind of statement out about you know having solidarity with the victims or you know something like that. We might still be a bit disappointed, but we'd you know we'd acknowledge that he's acknowledged it. Um, and yeah, especially in light of those lyrics uh, there, I didn't even put two and two together on that. That 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 Not really bad, yeah. makes a hero, yeah, doesn't it, Jamesy? That really hits home, doesn't it? I, I, I'm literally sitting here listening to those lyrics, and my jaw has dropped. Like it's, it's mm. that's 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 something. Yeah, it really is. Honestly, it came on my Spotify shuffle today, and I was about to kind of flick forward because I was mm. mad at Zack Sabre Junior. I didn't want to listen to a song, and then I just remembered. I was like, hold on a second, there is a verse in here that's literally about that, and I listened to it, and then I got really angry. And I, I was walking home from work and I just stormed home from work and I got really angry. And yeah, the anger just came back again. And then I went on Twitter to see people defending him <laughs> to James's tweet. So so that's where all my residual anger is coming from there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, anger is good. And look, I am, if he has a reason, if he, I'm happy to say, do you know what? I was wrong. Mm. Um, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to stop being angry. I'm not going to stop being an emotion. Being emotional. This is a hyper emotional time, and I think we all need to be talking this out. Mm. Yeah, especially you know who are our leaders. You know, in this, um, I wasn't going to mention it until later, but I feel like I've got to mention it. Will Osprey. You know, there's another one of our leaders, yeah. and you know uh, that's someone who. <sighs> 
unfortunately, when he does open his mouth, he just seems to make things worse, uh, if anything, with Will Ospreay. Um, but yeah, you know, there isn't anybody to turn, to turn to really right now at the at the top of Brit Res because there are so many people either implicated or, you know, have gone silent or like in the case of Osprey, you know, there's there's stories about him as well, you know, and we didn't really get a, a chance to talk about Osprey um, on the last show and this show is going to be maybe a bit of, of clean up on, on some of those issues, but... You know, the story about him and and Pollyanna uh, stating that she'd been blacklisted by him um, from wrestling. It's been going on since when? 2017, 2018? Like, it's it's years at this point. That's a story that, that, that's been out there. Um, there are allegations Pollyanna made about Scotty Wainwright, who's one of Will Ospreay's best friends. And over the years, he's pretty, you know, yeah... He's pretty much just, you know, towed the, the the party line with 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 his friend and is cast out on on Pollyanna's allegations, but all always maintained the fact that you know Pollyanna was was never was never blackballed by him. There was there was never there was never any purposeful uh, action by him to to get her out of wrestling. And then yeah, since since we last recorded at IWL, um, who are the promotion centered around these allegations of, of Pollyanna not being booked by them, literally released uh, a statement and quoted emails that they'd had. Uh, it, was, it was from uh, Osprey's trainers, wasn't it, Jamesy? Who, uh, who outright emailed them and, and asked for her <laughs> to not be on their show. And then that that email comes out, and then you know uh, they 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 go straight to Pollyanna and kind of pass the book the promotion and say no we could there's uh, we've got no issue with you but due to uh, to issues we don't want to lose the venue because it was Osprey's uh, trainers venue this is the uh, the Resistance Gallery um, we don't want to have issues with the venue so we're not going to use you anymore and she's gone and then that that they they put that tweet out and they they put those quotes out. Uh, pretty much flying right in the face of of any uh, statements Osprey has ever made about having no involvement in in Pollyanna and uh, not being able to, to to work anymore in Brit Res, and then Osprey goes quiet as well. Like there's another one, Jamesy, another another one who's uh, who seemingly disappeared on this uh, on this big issue. Yeah, and like the, the thing about this is, um, we're having this speaking out movement and there's been a huge momentum in 2020 and it started with a single voice of someone who spoke out and we believed that person but somebody spoke out in 2017 and they weren't believed and not only that one of the biggest names like even in 2017 Will Ospreay is a big name he's probably already the best British wrestler on the planet he's already on the New Japan roster He's somebody very important. He had power in British wrestling and he chose to side with the person she accused. So Pollyanna became a victim several times over since that happened. I was, I've been listening lately. I must be a glutton for punishment because in the last few weeks I started listening to the, the Chasing Cosby podcast. I know you've listened. It was actually you recommended it to me, Emma. And, you know, in trying to kind of learn more about these kind of stories, I decided I'd listen to that podcast and I would recommend it to people to listen to. It is a difficult listen and it is a very harrowing listen at times, but I found it hugely educational and I learned a lot from it. And a phrase that struck, that stuck with me from listening to that was this idea of re-victimizing somebody, that somebody can be sexually abused or sexually assaulted and they're a victim of that. 
But in how it's dealt with afterwards and in whether that person is believed or not, they become a victim over and over. And in this situation, Pollyanna was a victim and then she became a victim of Will Ospreay because he chose not to believe her. He publicly chose not to believe her. So she was victimized again. Then he goes on to blacklist her from certain promotions. So he's trebling down on the victimization. And then later on, he tries to get Scotty Wainwright back into the wrestling business. And he uses him on his own shows in Frontline Wrestling. Mm. So you think back to 2017, somebody spoke out. That, that right then could have been the start of the movement we're having now. But think of the message it sent to people back then. Like when somebody as powerful as Will Ospreay does what he did, it immediately told people, that speaking out is dangerous. People with a bigger name, people with a bigger platform, people with a bigger social media following will try to discredit you. Um, if you're involved in the business, you run the risk of damaging your career if you if you speak out. And also think about all the abusers who we know were active in British wrestling at the time. We now know British wrestling was full of people who were abusers. And they watched this happening. And they saw how Osprey backed Wainwright. And they must have been emboldened by that. They must have thought to themselves, God, even if somebody speaks out, we'll still get away with this. The boys club will protect us. So it's, it's, it's you know, uh, like, and, you know, Will Ospreay, as far as we know, has not personally abused someone. There are no allegations like that about him. But like, in a way, it's just as sinister what he did. Like, he's a perfect example of the wider systemic problems in British wrestling. The culture of victim blaming, gaslighting, believing abusers over victims. It's people like him who facilitated this epidemic and allowed it to thrive and flourish. And like this has gone on for three more years when like think of all the people. If a speaking out movement had happened in 2017, if Pollyanna had been received better, how many people maybe wouldn't have suffered in the three years that were since, you know, and like I have a big bee in my bonnet about the pedestal we put people on. And, you know, I tweeted about it today. I talked about it the last time with David Starr. We put that guy on such a pedestal. Like, Jesus, we've put Will Ospreay on such a pedestal. On, on, the, on the two podcasts that I do, we nearly on a monthly basis talk about Will Ospreay on the BWE, sharing him with praise, superlatives, best wrestler in the world, you know, best wrestler in New Japan, future IWGP champion. We put him on a pedestal. And like, I have to put my hands up. I, I knew about that Pollyanna story back in 2017. I remember angrily, I, I searched my own tweets and I can find tweets. He has deleted his, but I can find tweets of me berating Will Ospreay at the time about what happened. But I did nothing more. I got angry on Twitter for a while and then I went back to normal and I went back onto the Twitter talking about how great a wrestler he is. I was seduced by his skill as a wrestler. I kind of slowly but surely lightened the accusation in my head. I started saying to myself, well, he's just standing up for his friend. I started buying into the persona that he puts forward. I'm just a little bit thick. I'm just Will Ospreay. Every time yeah. I open my mouth, I say something stupid. And I bought into it because I wanted to enjoy the wrestling and I wanted to enjoy him as a great wrestler. And that's to my embarrassment and shame that I did that. And we have to stop doing that. I, I said it on Twitter today. We have to stop putting these people on a pedestal. And the last thing I'll say about this is... If British wrestling is is truly serious about change, then it has to deal with Will Ospreay in some kind of a way. We can't just go on. We can't just, like, I think that this is probably unrealistic and I probably think there's not much of a chance it will happen, which makes me angry and sad in its own way, in its own way. But I think Rev Pro should strip him of that British heavyweight title. And I think Rev Pro should come out and say, we're no longer going to work with Will Ospreay. Because... 
it's kind of easy for promotions to say, we're not going to work with a Travis Banks. We're not going to work with a Josh Bodum. We're not going to work with an El Ligero, mid-carders. You know, people who aren't going to make money, people who aren't going to put bums in seats, people who aren't going to fill a your call if they're the headline act. And it would take a huge amount of bravery and balls for Andy Quilden to do that. But the right thing to do is, is, to, is to do what Will Ospreay did to Pollyanna and to blacklist him from British wrestling. And if people are serious, that's what will happen. And like, I, I'm not just picking on RevPro, any indie that chooses to use him. I never want to see Will Ospreay in OTT again. I don't want to watch him wrestle. I, I feel dirty thinking about him. I don't want to see him on my screen. I don't want to be in a building paying money to see him wrestle. Um, and I think he's very much the litmus test as to how serious people are and how serious fans are as well. Like the next time he's announced for your call, say Rev Pro announced Shingo against Will Ospreay as the main event. Are we all going to rush out and buy tickets? If, if OTT booked Chris Hero against Will Ospreay, an absolute dream match for October in the stadium, will we all run out and buy tickets? Or will we say, no, I don't want to see this guy anymore. And we have to make difficult decisions. And as I said, it's easy to do when it's a mid-carder or like... It's easy to say I'll never watch Jimmy Havoc wrestle again because I wouldn't watch Jimmy Havoc wrestle anyway. And that's not me being flippant or smart. That's the truth of it. Mm. Are we willing to take the difficult decision and say, no, I don't want this guy, even though he's a big star, even though he's the best wrestler in the world, I don't want to see him a part of British wrestling anymore. And that's, I'm not confident that that will happen. I think I'm probably being very pie in the sky, even suggesting it. But why should your ability as a wrestler dictate how you're dealt with? It should be irrelevant how big a star you are, how good a wrestler you are. If you behave in this way, you should be gone. And that's my take on it. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's going to sound, it sounds extreme, doesn't it? And there are going to be people listening to this going, ah, you know, Osprey, and I've said it myself, you know, Osprey, isn't the A story here, Osprey is a B story here. But if you are serious about resolving this issue and about believing women and about cleaning up Brit Res, these are the types of, you know, extreme things that would have to be done. I do question whether like you said, Jamesy, will it happen? Will will we all will will we all be guilty of, you know, Osprey gets announced for even a new Japan show? makes it out there and has like a, you know, a banger of a match. And then we all get distracted talking about the, the shiny thing, um, the shiny thing being Osprey's match. And you're like, like you said, James, and I did the exact same thing over the last few years. You start to minimize it in your head, don't you? As time goes mm, on, yeah. you start to, it's easier you, to do that. You justify it to yourself, don't you? Um, yeah. I wonder, do you think it, do you think it's, re- what do you think, Emma? Do you think it's realistic at all? Do you think it, do you, it could happen? Or do you think it's going to be a case of literally, you know, RevPro announce a show next month and he's on it, and, and and a lot of people are done with this? Is that is that the the unfortunate reality of the situation? I think it is, and well, like I agree with absolutely everything James is saying, and I think it's going to strike a chord in a lot of people who have this guilt for allowing Osprey get away with it for so long because we did all know, um, and we did we did just kind of let, let the severity go down over time. Mm. Um, but it's, it's really sad that it is up to us as fans mm. to make all these changes when like, 
if you look like we're just fans we're just paying to be entertained mm. but the thing that we have kind of dedicated so much time to is so toxic and it's up to us now to to try and make a change because let's be honest we don't have any faith in any of the promotions to do it mm. and are the promotions, is it viable for these promotions to try and run a card with, you know, non-problematic people? It's, it, it's very bleak looking, mm-hmm. yeah. but you've got to, I don't know, you've got to have hope that this is, that this can be done and that we've, we won't have to work so hard to get it done. Yeah, that's a and it's. I think you know, what's difficult is just that the wrestling is so steeped in this type of stuff. Like, you no, know, we joked earlier about doing retro podcast, didn't we? Like, literally, we were before we were due to come on air yesterday. We were having a chat, weren't we, about like uh, the Briscoe brothers and about you know various wrestlers from the past. And you 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 have to catch yourself sometimes and kind of you know PWG for example. You know yourself, I'm a covering them. Joey Ryan's all over those shows. You know, Jamesy, we did the. The mixtape episodes, what, a month yep. and a half ago? Yeah. Littered, littered with people. Yeah. Look at the names that were on that and it's 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 unbelievable. Like, yeah. 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 It's 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 just yeah, it's it's hard like you know, all cards on the table. Yeah, we've had that conversation, haven't we, Jamesy? But like mm-hmm. how do you oh, yeah. how'd you fill air for a podcast like this if you know, so much of, of wrestling history has got people that you've got to ask questions about. Um talking about on both allegations that you being honest we all knew about and and kind of minimized in our heads and and you allegations that have come to light here i mean this isn't you know this is a fan podcast and this isn't you know pressure that you know that should maybe be on fans to, to act but yeah i think i think maybe you know do we do we have to be more responsible going forward even with that stuff you know in general like it, it's kind of like you said there emma for the lack of for lack of any other confidence in in action being taken by promotions, it kind of it it is left to us to have to to make those difficult decisions and 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 hope that we can use our moral judgment over our desire to see the you know the shiny flippy things, um, if anything. Yeah, and it's it's the thing with it is like in an ideal world, the decision would be made for us, and you would love to think that there were people with ethics and morals in charge of wrestling who would take the decision out of our hands and not put us in the position of having to not buy a ticket for a match or, or you know, you, you say you buy your, you buy your tickets for a show mm. and then someone like Osprey is announced on it. So what do I do then? Do I walk out during his match? Do I not go at all? Do I ask for a refund? And why, why is that? Why are we the ones almost having to suffer it? And like you guys said, why has it been almost left to the fans to police wrestling? You know what I mean? And like, that is extremely draining and extremely emotionally draining to almost feel like you constantly have to stand over these promotions and watch them and police everything they do. You know what I mean? And you get branded a nuisance and you get branded as the, the troublesome lot and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And like, we, we have given out to OTT on several occasions about things. And it's difficult because your fellow fans sometimes speak out against you and, and, you know, tell you like, why, why, you know, why is this any of your business? 
Mm. Just stop thinking about, just enjoy the wrestling. That's the thing you're always told, isn't it? Just stop thinking about wrestling and enjoy it. And we can't because we can't trust these promotions. And it's it's a bit like the position that we were talking about the last time where we're putting women in this position. The women will fix it. Why the hell should it be up to the fans to fix it? And why should it be up to us to constantly have to stand over these wrestling promoters who know well these stories, you know, and they, they'll always play dumb and say, well, oh, well, I didn't know about that. People in wrestling know more about what's happening in wrestling than any of us. Like wrestlers, if you've ever talked to a wrestler or spent time in a social situation with a wrestler, wrestlers bitch and gossip about each other and about people in the wrestling scene more than anybody else in the world. They all know what each other are up to. They all know what's been going on. So this idea that people are oblivious to what's been going on and it's up to us to help them out and point them out. It's awful that that's what it's come to, but that's the reality of the situation. And that's probably what will have to happen again in the future. And you wonder how long we can have the energy to do that. And, and does the point come where you just throw your hands up and go, you know what? I'm sick of wasting my time and energy on this and I'm just going to walk away. Because th th there will come a point where if you don't see change, that's what we're going to have to do. And that's a very sad thing. But it's what else can we do? Yeah. Yeah, it's like on at the um, on Monday we were talking on Spotlight about you know, the GCW show at the weekend, and the GCW show was a great escape for me. You know, as far as like it's a promotion I really enjoy watching, and you know I'll have a few beers and the show was at a perfect time on a Saturday night, and I was around my mate's house for the first time, you know, since lockdown, having a great time watching the show. And even even there, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, the I don't, I don't know. There's no reason for me to feel guilty about watching this show. And then, you know, for the main events, they they, they wheel out somebody who's got links to, to white nationalists and there's plenty of, uh, speaking of schlack, there's been plenty of photo evidence of him hanging around with, with literal Nazis. And there he is in the main event doing, you know, entertaining spots with literally running a man over with a car and setting off fireworks and stuff. And I'm kind of sat there trying to, on the one half entertains, but on the other half going, hang on, I just did the podcast last week where I spent the, you know, I spent the entire podcast talking about all the issues Brit Res has had. Am I, am I holding myself to the, the standards that I'm trying to hold myself to with Brit Res by, you know, endorsing this person in a main event who's never came out and apologized or even, you know, come out and, uh, and explained why those photos exist of him. Am I just as bad? And I think we're going to find that in it, everywhere we turn with wrestling um, and making those those moral judgments isn't going to be easy, is it? Um, but it's going to be right. I definitely I saw people who were who were streaming that GCW show who literally got to that main event and they turned it off. And maybe that's the situation people are going to have to find themselves in um, if you are going to try and navigate watching wrestling. Um but the other, the other issue is, yeah, it's, it's very, it's easy to feel defeated as well because, you know, there are things we know about and the things we don't know about. And the, the, the issue with wrestling is, is so deep rooted. You just, you don't even know what you're watching at times either, do you? Um, yeah, it's really, really tough. Um, I suppose the other thing as well is that, that like, you, you're hoping for action from the, from these promotions so that we're not in that position. And it just, it's not coming. Like, you know, one thing I know Mark wants to talk about and we're, we're not the, we're not the experts on the, on the Scottish wrestling scene um, by any means. If you, if you want one of those, uh, Sarah Greve joins Will Cooling on his uh, PW Torch British Wrestling Report podcast a couple of weeks ago for an excellent podcast talking about the, uh, the, the issues up 
in Scotland, but you know, even from there as well, we gave uh, progress pelters at the top, so it's only fair we give ICW pelters as well. You know, where is the action from ICW? Where is the statements from ICW? It's you know, Mark Dallas is on Instagram posting about his dog, um, and outright, I think somebody somebody literally challenged him, didn't they, and said, "What's going on? Are you taking any action on the on the on the wrestlers that work for you that have been accused?" And he literally just came back and said, "Go to the police if you've got any complaints." And that was his answer. Like, yeah, to me, like that, you know, we we might joke about ICW on this podcast. James is something we don't, you know, tend to cover a lot because we're not particularly fans of it. But yeah, I don't know if you had the chance to listen to that Sarah Grieve podcast uh, with Will. Um, But obvious, you know, Scotland is kind of a, a bit of its own world and. You know, there's a there's a lot of problems uh, up there that we uh, we didn't get a chance to uh, to talk about last week either. Yeah, and like you said, looking for an in depth breakdown of everything that's been going on up there, I would say definitely listen to that podcast because they, they've covered us. Um, there was an insight on that podcast into the Scottish wrestling scene that we just don't have. But you know, his guest was very much immersed in the whole scene and knew it personally, knew a lot of people who were involved, and it was a really really good kind of a summary of everything that's been going on up there. But yeah, ICW, it's just radio silence, isn't mm. it? There's, again, I can't help but feel like they're just waiting for things to blow over and 2021 will roll around and it'll be back to business as usual. And I, I, I really, really fear that that is what's going on in a lot of places, that, that we're just in this holding pattern, that, that the, the pandemic is quite convenient. Like the, this movement may not have started without the pandemic happening, but also it's kind of become a convenient thing for a lot of people. Like number one, it's been kind of handy for us as fans not to have to think about going to a show next month or this weekend. You know, if there was an OTT show on Saturday, what would I even do? You know what I mean? Like uh, who would be on that show? Who would be featured? Who would I be in the building with even? You know what I mean? All the questions. So from that point of view, it's been a relief. But I think also some promotions are quite relieved of it because by the time next year rolls around, maybe they think this will all have gone away and everybody will want to go back to wrestling. You know, um, I, I see that Mikey Whiplash, I was looking through his Twitter feed today. He's the latest man in, in British wrestling to suddenly have an epiphany about his behavior. And Mikey Whiplash is going to go into therapy because he suddenly had this conveniently had this epiphany that he's maybe he's not been a very nice person in the past and it's totally coincidental that this has all started just now and he's going to go and have some nice therapy and in a few months time he'll come out of therapy a reformed man and i'm sure he'll go back to his wrestling career and this is the kind of thing that that, that you're having to read and it, it, you're just looking at it with such disdain thinking like can you not see how this looks can you not see the other people doing this and realize that this is not the way to do it um I heard a lot of praise on, on the podcast that, that Will did about the Fierce Females promotion. Um, and just a little alarm bell there that, that Debbie Keitel from Ireland was a champion. I think she's the internet champion in that promotion. And I saw her put a tweet out about a week ago where she handed in her notice there and gave up her championship. And I think it's 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 behoven of us all to be more vigilant now. You know, like we look back on things that we saw maybe a year ago and we just kind of hand waved it and didn't think much i'm looking at everything like a hawk at the moment and when i see something like that happening it sets alarm bells ringing for me and i'm just wondering is there something more happening with that why is somebody who's been so vocal about this whole thing handing in her title for an all-women's promotion and saying she's not going to work with them anymore what's that about and she didn't elaborate it anymore and i have no idea what that might be about but it just makes me wonder you know we have to treat i think we have to treat everyone in british wrestling with a certain level of caution 
and suspicion. And as I said, get everyone off the pedestal and be sceptical of them. And until they earn our trust back, I don't think we can laud anybody anymore as being good and ethical. And this idea that there is any promotion that's ethical at the moment has to go out the window until they prove otherwise. Yeah, that's it. I think it's a case right now, Emma, of kind of waiting and seeing. And I think there's going to be a it's going to be a real push over this next month, especially in England, with you know things starting to open up and you know grassroots sports being taken up again and outdoor concerts looking to be starting up again for wrestling to just start up again next month and and these things to to fall by the wayside um i think we're in a in a a huge danger of that right now yeah you have to really wonder who's going to come out first which promotion is gonna is gonna come out first like you you have to think of all the big promotions that they can't do anything now for i'd say at least another three months Mm not just because of kind of COVID situations and whatnot, because they really need to be careful. And I don't think I, you know, do they even have a roster to go, to go forward and to put on a show? Mm. Um, So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think with the Scottish scene as well, like ICW is such an integral part to the Scottish scene. So without that, they're in trouble whereas kind of with the in with English if progress goes there's another you know there's another few big companies that can that can still keep going so yeah I I really don't know Mm. yeah I I think there's going to be companies like I've got a feeling like RevPro for example that's a company where Andy Quilden's entire livelihood depends on RevPro. So someone like that is going to be tempted to start shows as soon as possible. Like if RevPro announced the show in the next three weeks, I wouldn't be shocked, to be honest. I could see that happening. TNT, who run up the road from me in Liverpool, like yeah. to be fair to them, they've you know they've gotten themselves a safeguarding officer and they're, put, they're saying a lot of the right things. They were one of the first people to, to strip star of their belt and you know talked about safeguarding going forward. They're looking to, I could imagine them running a show again before the end of this month or next month. Yeah, they actually... Oh, go on. They are, they are doing the right things. I saw that they're going to introduce sensory packs, mm. which is something I haven't mm. seen any yeah. British companies yeah. do. And I know it's something that AEW did when they started. Yeah. And that that was a, like a really positive step. Mm. Um, so that's something different. And that re- that to me, that shows that they've got someone with ideas in there that knows kind of what to do and how to be, how to be doing something that's different and that, that shows that you're being progressive. Mm. So yeah, I'd be interested to see what TNT are going to do next. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Cause that's the thing like that, that news came out today and I, I was like, Oh, I'm a bit tempted if they run a show in three weeks and there's, you know, the last couple of TNT shows I've been to haven't been particularly well attended. And I'm thinking, well, from a coronavirus point of view, I can I can maybe hide in a corner somewhere and, you know, stay away from people and wear a mask. And I'm justifying to myself, yeah, I could go to a show. And then I think, but do I want to go to a show this soon? Like, even though TNT, you know, to be fair to them, are putting their best foot forward and they're, and they're saying a lot of the right things and doing a lot of the right things... It still feels soon, doesn't it? It still feels like uh, I, I, I'd rather 
to be honest, I'd rather Brit Rez and European wrestling in general just took the rest of the year off. Um, and we and we yeah. and we can look at it afresh next year. You know, we can all, if things are, are, are quite or you know in line and things are you know we can reasonably look at things and go these promotions are being responsible and putting all the safeguard and things in pleasure in in place. We might be able to go okay, maybe we will all meet up at Carrot again next March, like. That's probably the conversation we'll be having. This probably probably shouldn't right now haven't be having the conversation about shows coming back, but I reckon that's gonna be happening. I think I think there will be it's gonna be interesting, like you said, there, there Emma. It's interesting to see who comes out first, but I feel like if I was a betting man, there'll be a show before the end of this month and it'll probably be one of these promotions that's come up in these conversations. I, I've got <laughs> that's the kind of faith I have in uh, in the scene at the moment. Yeah, and and the thought of that really makes my heart sink because that's not time enough for the changes that we're hoping for. Mm. You know what I mean? And and the minute you get back in the cycle of shows every few weeks, that's the promoter's time taken up. You know what I mean? They, they don't have time then to sit down and come up with policies and, and how to change things. You know what I mean? So I, I really, really hope that doesn't happen. Like I, I think the correct thing to do is, is what Riptide have done. And, you know, again, I'm reluctant to put anybody on a pedestal at the moment, but you have to say that Riptide do an awful lot of things right. And the people that run it say a lot of the right things. They, they, a lot of the things they say on Twitter, you nod your head in agreement with. And they have come out and said, we're going on hiatus indefinitely. And that's what I want to hear from promotions. I wouldn't, I, I would be so happy if every promotion just said that. Just leave it for a while. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You're probably not going to draw or be able to draw a good crowd anyway, apart from everything else. But get your house in order before you start running shows. Because the minute you get into that, onto that hamster wheel of running shows again, I think everything else goes out the window and it all gets forgotten. And, and I worry then that fans begin to forget. Because instead of the conversation being about change and about making things better, the conversation is about, oh, that was a great main event on that show we were at, or that was a great match. And, and it's people become complacent again. And we get the Will Ospreay effect where you forget about the bad stuff because in the immediate now and here and now, you're talking about the good stuff again. And it can't happen. We can't keep making the same mistakes. Definitely. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lesson I think even the three of us are going to kind of have to hold ourselves to as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah hold my hands up and uh, and say, yeah, I'm definitely going to be someone uh, people need to hold to account there too. Um, I was going to say, I mean, another thing we were going to mention, you know, there's been a, a little bit of hard news. Uh, some of it came out uh, around the time we were recording last time and some of it since, uh, at least on the on the WWE front that we should, uh, we should cover. Um, you know, Liguero and have Travis Banks have both been released now. Um, absolutely the right thing to do considering the uh the allegations uh against those two that we went into in detail on the last show and the the admittances that that both made i think is probably a a part of that um especially the uh the, the travis banks case uh, and his relationship with Millie mckenzie and uh, echoes there of, of what happened with what what i would presume has probably happened with with jack gallagher too uh there was that uh that mystery conference call with the the nxt uk roster last week as well there hasn't been a 
a huge amount of news out of. Um, from what I'd heard, there was a bit of uh, it was a bit of a rah rah speech for the NXT UK guys, but also you know uh, we're behind you, we're not closing this brand type of, type of thing. And I think there were a lot of people hanging the hat on the fact that, that maybe that was going to be the announcement coming out of that uh, that roster call. Um, but what they did do, I think they they warned uh, the talent uh, with regards uh, their future conduct and and how it would be and how seriously um, these types of allegations would be taken. They did release Joel Allen and Chris Roberts. Joe Coffey was uh, eventually suspended after there not being much word on what was uh, happening with his allegations, which were to do uh, allegedly with uh, with messaging uh, and harassing women. Uh, yeah, a, a bit of action there, I suppose, but still, um, I'd say I'm a plenty of, of question marks there of uh, of other people that there hasn't uh, really been a huge amount of news uh, from the WWE, and uh, I don't know, it's hard to hard to really guess what what the thinking is on WWE's end. You know, I, I can't imagine these are these are moral decisions. These are these are very much business decisions. But can you pass uh, any logic from? The decisions they have made and the uh, the decisions they they haven't made so far. No, I mean that's that's the thing. It's just one big question mark. There is no kind of sense in it, and it seems to be that there are these allegations against them. Some people are being suspended. Some people are being released. Some people are being protected. Mm. So, like, what's it all down to? Is it if if they admit to it that they're getting released, if they can provide some sort of counter story, uh, is WWE saying, okay, stick with us. We'll get you through this. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. And WWE UK, like for that to be a brand worth protecting Mm. is laughable, but maybe that's just us who hate (laughs) it. But, (laughs) you know, it's, There's and the fact that like this whole all these Wolfgang accusations have just disappeared, and I think they were some of the most more troubling accusations that have come out of this, and allegations that he was uh, taking photos outside, allegedly taking photos outside um, primary schools. Like this is like that's worrying, and no one has said anything about that. Mm. And then you have. Like you have Jordan Devlin, who is still active on social media, liking he couldn't stop himself liking tweets about Liverpool and about, you know, like about football. And he's also liking Matt Riddle's video. Surely if WWE are going to protect you, they're going to sit you down. They're going to say, stop tweeting, get off social media lay low while you know we get our lawyers to sort this out but i can find absolutely no logic in in how they have approached this mm. yeah and there's the stories isn't the james you let you know your your velveteen dream you know that's a story that's not gone away <sighs> and they've just they've just kind of dodged that one like uh, he's not been on nxt the last couple of weeks but no kind of statements we don't know like you say the wolfgang allegation no no allegations, no kind of statement that it's being dealt with or, or even being being looked at. Um, yeah, I don't know. Are you as pessimistic as us two, James? I don't think. It's probably fair to say, you know, with WWE, it is just a case of the stories that are, that are public that they can't avoid, uh, they'll address head on. And the ones that they think they can 
quietly may go away, whether that be through legal means behind the scenes or through outright ignoring it. Um, I think we're probably going to find that's going to be the case for uh, a lot of these stories. Yeah, and uh, the cynic in me looks at who's been gotten rid of and looks at who hasn't been gotten rid of. And we talk about it a lot on this podcast about the bar for what we expect WWE to do in terms of right and wrong is extremely low. And I can't help but wonder about El Ligero, Travis Banks, Joel Allen, Chris Roberts, not people who are going to make any money for WWE, not superstars, not stars, not not people they see something in. Like, Like, you know, we've been hearing for ages that WWE see an awful lot in Jordan Devlin like they put the Cruiserweight title on him you know an NXT UK guy apparently he has people like Shawn Michaels in his corner batting for him so he's someone who's liked in the company someone who's respected in the company someone that they see star power in and I hope it's not the case but I can't help but wonder is that what's motivating how they're dealing with these people that an El Ligero and a Joel Allen are dispensable get rid of them. Nobody really cares or notices. We can hire a new referee. We can hire a new jobber for the mid card, but they see some value in a Jordan Devlin and a Matt Riddle who's, you know, who they see as a big superstar and they're less, they're less willing to deal with them in a decisive manner, you know? And like, yeah, I feel like Devlin has gotten away with it in terms of WWE. Um, Like you say, Emma, you know, the, the way he's liking tweets, there's an arrogance about it. There's almost a, I can't say something. I can't write a tweet. I can't say anything any at the moment because my lawyers have told me not to. And I don't want to get myself in more trouble or dig a hole for myself. But I can like a tweet here and there and show people, look, I'm not really bothered. I'm more interested in Liverpool winning the league. He's, he's liking tweets by fans, which I think is a really manipulative thing to do. He's liking tweets by other Irish wrestlers. He's liking tweets by WWE superstars. It's really sinister and manipulative in a really kind of a low-key way that people mightn't even notice. But like the situation that puts a... He's liking a fan's tweet. That puts that fan in a horrible situation because by liking that tweet, he's almost saying to the world, this person still approves of me. This person is on my side. You know, I'm pally with this person or, or a fellow Irish wrestler to do that. It's almost like, well, that person still approves of me. Look at me. I'm still able to like their tweets it's trying to say to the world that he's still cool with people and it puts that person in an awful horrible position and it's it's manipulative, it's sinister and it just gives me the creeps that he's doing that. I just think it's horrible and the, the arrogance with which he's doing it, I just feel like he's gotten away with it. I think his job is safe and I think he has a career ahead of him in WWE which is a really sad thing to think about but you would imagine at this point if something was going to happen it would have happened already. Yeah, it does seem that way. It seems it seems to me like with Devlin, the big thing is going to be they're going to hide behind the understandable lack of detail in that case. Like, you know, the complaint about Devlin was about physical abuse over a period of time, and there were graphic photos of that abuse. Um, but then, the, you know, the understandably, you know, the person who, who made the allegations did, did remove a tweet. I'm sure she was getting unwanted replies, um, to say the least, if you... Based on the replies, pretty much any woman who's made these uh, these allegations has had. So that kind of went away, and because it went away, it, it feels to me like yeah, WWE are going to kind of go well. You know, Devlin's Devlin's denied it. We don't have 
you know more specifics on the allegations the allegations have been taken down we can let we 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 can maybe can't weather the storm on this one and keep deviling around. Maybe they see him, like you said, Jamesy, a little bit more higher on the totem pole than than Travis Banks and uh, and El Aguero. It kind of makes me think about you know another you know another Irish performer, Scotty Davis. That's another one where I could I could see promotions going. Oh, it's it's one way against the other. He was young at the time. In a few, you know, maybe a slap on the wrist. But, you know, there's a road to redemption for Scotty Davis and they allow Scotty Davis to come back. I don't know. Are we being pessimistic, Emma? Or is that the way you kind of, you kind of see the, those two stories um, unfolding as well? I mean, no, can, you can't be anything but pessimistic, mm. can you really? Like, it's it's not even pessimistic. It's more realistic because yeah. we've been through this. We haven't been through this on this scale, that's for sure. But we have been through all of this before. You know, like thinking about Bram when the there was the allegations against Bram when you know there was a police report from America that he had held his girlfriend down by her throat and he had been quite abusive. But this was, um, you know, this was just a report that was made. The cops threw out the report. He was he was cleared of all charges, and this was something that you know, a very vocal minority of people would would come out with every time he was booked and he would, like, he would laugh it off and all the other wrestlers would defend him saying, well, they didn't charge him, you know, they, mm. they didn't find anything. Yeah. So, yeah. and then, you know, it came out again. Um, his girlfriend at the time that all the kind of drama was going on, with him being booked, his girlfriend at the time, his now ex-girlfriend, has come out and said, well, yes, actually, he was. He was abusive of me as well. And it, like, these people are always going to have, they're always going to be defended. And, the, like, is there anything we can do? I don't, I don't know. what. I guess... <laughs> I'm feeling very defeated right now because you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's exhausting. It really is. Like, I th- I do believe that yeah, Jordan is going to have a career, and you know, Scotty will probably be signed by WWE as well, and he'll go on to have a career. And you know, you know, maybe it takes him out of Irish wrestling, so we don't have to worry about him. But is that really fair? He gets this success. It's not fair. Um, I can answer that myself. But mm. yeah, oh, I don't know. <laughs> the, the single most depressing thing I think of this whole fortnight since we spoke last, I think was was the Riddle video. Yeah, and we've got to talk specifically, about that. But specifically the replies to that video. And it was just tweet after tweet praising him for his bravery. Yep. In in admitting to cheating on his wife, a man with two children who are now old enough to go to school. And this is going to be all over social media and follow his kids around for the rest of their lives. That his dad, that their dad is on social media owning up to having an affair. And he's getting praised by people for that. But that alone, even forget the other allegations. He's been told he's a great lad for owning up to having an affair. It's just, when you actually think about it, it's ridiculous. But like that, unfortunately, is what we're up against, you know. And like we live in our happy little Twitter bubble where, where, you know, 
all our friends are angry about the same thing. And sometimes you forget that there's a wider world out there who, who sees things totally differently. And there are a vast majority of male wrestling fans, I think, are only too happy to hear him say that it's her fault. That woman is crazy. And that's all he has to say to weaponize his huge following against that woman. And we're going back to re-victimizing someone again. She's now a victim again, because now you have all those people going after her Twitter, saying that she's crazy. And she's back in the position of being a victim a second time. And it's awful and it's horrible. And, and like that video by Riddle, his his demeanor in it, the aggression, the way, the way he spoke, the way he spoke to the camera so aggressively, the way he spoke about her in it, it just, it was disgusting. And, you know, it, it just, even his his wife and the relationship he has with, like this isn't the first time that he's had to, answer to these accusations online. I can remember cases before where similar claims of him of him having affairs, I mean, were made online and he having to come out and defend himself. And the weird thing is that his wife will angrily take his side and attack the person who's made the claims. And it's never, Matt Riddle is never wrong. So mm-hmm. everywhere he turns, he has people telling him he's right. His wife is telling him he's right. His fans are telling him he's right. He works for Vince McMahon, who's who, who, you know, we know about the track record of that company and everybody there is probably telling him he's right. So he's completely insulated from everything. Like that guy is almost bulletproof. He, again, he'll be a, he'll be a WWE champion. He will main event WrestleMania. He is going to have a long, fruitful career in wrestling. And, you know, as I said, you, you see the replies to that tweet and your heart sinks and you think... God, change is going to be so difficult and so slow and so painful. And you wonder, again, do you have the energy to kind of follow it through and see it through? Because you often, you, you honestly wonder, what's even the point when you see that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, totally. And can you imagine, say, like, say, you know, a female, but say Charlotte came out and she made a video where she talked about having an affair. And cheating. Can you imagine mm. men flocking to her replies and saying, Queen, thank you for your bravery. Everyone makes mistakes. Absolutely not. She would be slut shamed. She would be she would be absolutely annihilated. It it's the fact that like a man can just sit there and talk about how he has cheated, had an affair. He has three young kids. And he's brave because he admitted something that he was found out for. Where is the bravery? It's, 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 it's so maddening. It's, it's a cult of personality. It's Matt, Matt Riddle is, there are going to, there are going to be people who are going to defend him no matter what. Like, though, like you said, the replies said it all. Like, they sum, they sum this entire thing up, as do the replies to, to Candy Cartwright when she initially made the allegation and then wisely, you know, jumped off Twitter because those replies are still coming to her. There is something about, call it star power or, or whatever, where people are just... It, it, people, people, are, people will doubt Candy Cartwright on a word... Well, if Matt Riddle comes out and says didn't do it, well, that's enough evidence for a lot of people, and you're seeing that. And 
you know, I've I got to be honest. I mentioned that on the last podcast. You know, there are there are there are sometimes allegations that you read, and as a human being, your immediate response is to be defensive and go, "Oh, that couldn't be, that can't be true." Like Matt Riddle's one for me, at least. You know, for those initial, you know, Matt Riddle's not my friend. Matt Riddle's not somebody you, I would say I'm a friend with, but he's someone who I've spoken to before. He's someone who, you know, JP from Grapple was very close with Matt Riddle. So I'd bump into Matt Riddle at shows. And I kind of felt that at first, like, oh, you know, almost that, that well, you know, I, I want to hear Matt Riddle's side of the side of events. So I want to, maybe this is one where I'll, I'll hope, like as ho- how horrible is that to say? I'll hope that it turns out that, that, that this is all lies. Like, if you're someone who, who who had that immediate reaction, like like I'll admit I did in the in the you know the first time I, I read the statement, have a word with yourself. Like, think about what what are the bias biases that are there that are making you immediately disbelieve Candy Cartwright and immediately believe Matt Riddle just because the wrestler that you like who might have been nice to you at a merch table once, who's a very charismatic person just because he said he didn't do it you believe it and that's enough for you like it's not it, it, it's it's not at all and it's it's the big thing with him is that yeah you know he's he, he comes out and he's like oh yeah you know i, I didn't i've i've you know I, i've made a mistake okay i had an affair with that woman his story from the start has continued to change mm. candy cart right was firm in, in her allegation and was firm when she was questioned on it and was firm when she was called out by trolls. Matt Riddle's continuing to, to move the goalpost here. Mm. And, you know, he, he now comes out in his suplex hat and, like you said, cuts this angry promo on Twitter about it and just, like, opens this whole thing up for one and two, galvanises his support base who are all like you said are all in his replies going oh yeah Matt you, you know can't believe this 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 girl girl and worse lied about you we back you Matt Riddle we love you bro thank like you said thanks for being so brave bro he knows that's gonna happen and as a wrestler have you said he's been mollycoddled and told he's right his entire adult life you know I'm sure I'm sure he's basking in that and he and he feels like he's right in that and there are going to be people. Who are going to be completely comfortable to watch Matt Riddle on SmackDown every week? Are going to get behind them, and are going to immediately put this behind them. And to those people, I kind of say, just take a second look at what you, what what is the reason that you believe Matt Riddle? He's not provided mm. any evidence. He's not. All, all he's done is is tell a story. There's no reason to believe that Matt Riddle is telling the truth in in in, in this situation. His 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 demeanor in general. The way he's behaved since the allegations have came out. Why would you believe this man? Um, Yeah, why would you be one of those people who who are in his replies? Just like fandom is just, it's a gross, gross thing at times. Just to go, sorry, I'm going on. No, it's not just. It's not just fandom. You know, they're like men so badly. Um, like not all men, but. Men so badly want to believe that women lie about sexual assault. Yeah. And cer- certain women do as well, because no one wants to face up to the fact that se- sexual assault is so widespread and it happens so much that it's easier for people to think, well, not everyone can be telling the truth. Like, are you trying to tell me that, you know, four out of five 
of my friends have been sexually assaulted. That doesn't make sense. Well, it does make sense because it happens. Mm -hmm. But people can't face up to that. So it's easier for them. I know there's men who say that their biggest fear is being falsely accused of rape. That's not your biggest fear. Your biggest fear is looking into your past and thinking, shit, what did, did I did I cross the line? Was I wrong there? Could this be construed as something? It's easier for them to say, no, this woman's hysterical. All women are hysterical. They can't all have been victims of sexual assault. I'm really sorry to tell you that, yes, they absolutely can. Totally. And just to go back to what you said, Benno, about the having the initial thought that, oh, no, this can't be true. That's human nature. You know what I mean? When somebody you like and admire and respect and are a fan of is accused of something wrong, it's it's okay for your first instinct to be, I really hope it's not true. That That's human nature. You know what I mean? But But to go from that initial thought to then going online and vocalizing it and typing it to a victim or to a person who's been accused, that's where people have to take a step back and think about it and rationalize it, rationalize it mm-hmm. and listen to what Emma said. Um, because having the initial thought, I don't think is the wrong thing. It's then taking that thought to a public place and not having thought it through properly and just hoping that your hero isn't a rapist. That's not good enough. And that's where it lies down. And and the, the she's crazy defense is the biggest red flag. Has there ever been a man who claimed that that wasn't actually the person who's, who was in the wrong in a relationship? I, I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case. That the, the, the she's crazy defense is the biggest red flag and the easiest thing for men to go to when a relationship breaks up or when something like this happens, because it's easy, because other men are so happy to go along with it and back them up and say, yeah, you know, that crazy bitch, you're you're better off without her. Or, of course, she's lying. Mm-hmm. She's crazy. Yeah, that's it. And, and that's been a common thing, I think, in this story where people will go, "I believe the majority of the women in this in this, but this particular yeah. one because it's inconvenient yeah. for me. This is the one I don't believe." And yeah, you know, like Emma said, like, and as we said last time, you know, the stats don't support that. You know, people, people, especially something as serious as this. Women aren't making these stories up out of thin air. Like I don't know what it takes for people to get that through the brains, but that is that is not supported by by any kind of evidence. Um, and yeah, if if you if you if you're still riding on that because it's your favourite, again, I I do feel like people maybe need to uh, to step back uh, and have a little bit of a word with themselves. Um, but I suppose. Uh, Moving on from the WWE stuff, um, we did have some notes on uh, on WXW. Um, another story we didn't really get a chance to uh, to go into last time uh, with some accusations against uh, Julian Pace specifically uh, and Jay Skillet's name coming up uh, as well, Jamesy. Um, I know this is one you've uh, you've been following quite closely. Yeah, and it's it is a difficult one to report on because there's the obvious language barrier. Number one. Um, and also number two, they dealt with it really swiftly, dealt with it in-house and stuff has not leaked out. There hasn't been the kind of drip feed of information that maybe we get over here in Ireland and Britain because maybe we know someone or someone close to the scene. There's just very little information coming out. Um, what we do know is that there were at least two female trainees 
in Germany who came forward stories about their time when they trained in the academy. Um, there were also some allegations relating to a number of years ago when there were different trainers involved who left the company. Um, there was one girl who had issues with safety about how she was looked after um, when she was training with them and she had posted pictures of um, herself in hospital after suffering a concussion and she was unhappy with the way that she was looked after by her trainers in that situation. Um, the upshot shot, but the upshot of it all is that both Julian Pace and Jay Skillet have been released from the company. Um, from what I can tell, it does appear that Skillet's departure is a lot more amicable. Like the, he put a post up, I think it was on Instagram, and a lot of WXW staff liked it and wished him well. Um, and it, it's purely speculation on my part, but it feels like his firing may have been that things happened on his watch rather than him being somebody who was directly involved with these allegations. Now, that's just speculation on my part, but that's how it feels to me. And the implication being there that maybe Julian Pace was more directly involved in these allegations. Um, you have to give WXW credit. Um, you know, within days of these, like we're talking about OTT, still the elephant in the room with OTT is that Jordan Devlin and Scotty Davis, nothing has been said about them. We don't know what the situation is with them. Within days of this coming to light, both guys were gone from the company. They dealt with it swiftly. Um, they were remorseless about it. As I said, Skillets seems to be on good terms with people, but they still got rid of him, which was probably a difficult decision for them. And there's also evidence that they're making changes within their academy, like they're changing how their training's being run. They're going to be running women's classes in the academy. They've appointed Killer Kelly as a trainer. Um, I saw them put up a tweet that they're going to start filming the training as well, which which from a wrestling point of view is probably really good that you can go back and watch your technique and improve and learn from that point of view. But it also must be really reassuring for a new trainee or a young trainee or a female trainee to know that this is being filmed, that, that there is evidence of what is being said to you and evidence of how you're being treated. Hard evidence. It, it almost forces people to behave. And that's a really positive thing and maybe something that other wrestling promotions and other training schools might want to think about as well. You know, I, I feel like WXW are ahead of the curve from that point of view, if nothing else. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good start, isn't it? Like you say, you know, doing the, having Killer Kelly, you know, teach women's classes and, you know, having, you know, the, the camera set up and to be fair to them, you know, other companies might have, they had the whole shotgun run in the can, didn't they? And they've, and they've made edits to that um, and yes. cut that down yeah. significantly to, to, you know, hopefully, you know, create a, a product there that, that, that maybe people can still watch. Um, I know, you know, obviously, Emerita, you're, you're one to, to make it out to uh, to Oberhausen with the rest of us a lot. Um, what you make about WXW handled this and do you kind of hold them in the same places as maybe, you know, the, the pessimism we have with, with a lot of the UK and, uh, and specifically uh, OTT when it comes to Irish companies um, or does, you know, maybe their, their quick action here, like Jamesy said there, give you give you any uh, pause and make make you feel a little bit more hopeful about uh, about the uh, the German company yeah I mean yeah definitely the swift action um it gives you it gives you something to work with anyway um mm. I I would echo kind of changing sentiments in the it doesn't seem like you know Jay Skillers there is any accusations against him but the fact that he's he's left if it was happening under his watch, mm. the fact that they've gotten rid of him as well, it shows that they're not just trying to take out kind of the bad apples, but they're trying to create a new, safer environment mm. because this one obviously wasn't working before. 
and that is something that like and I don't know maybe like you I don't want to believe Jay Skillet was involved so maybe I'm I'm looking at it in a different way mm. but it is it is quite positive to think that they're going to restructure and that they did it so quickly um, and they they've pulled all the shotgun episodes the future ones that we're going to have you know Julian and Jay involved in them so mm. that they're redoing them I think so they really are working on it um, so yeah there is a bit of positivity not yeah it does seem like they're, they're taking a bit of responsibility for it at least uh, again though you know you don't, you don't know everything going on behind the scenes and you know it's hard isn't it to, that's a story I want to be positive about but I've just got this air of caution now of you know what if something else comes out? What if you know there is more to this story that we don't know? Um, but I do, I do have a bit of faith there, based at least on those first steps. I mean, I was going to say, James, how would you compare it to to how OTT have reacted? They've obviously uh, put a bit of a statement out uh, this last week as well, um, starting to seem maybe take some formative action, but maybe maybe uh, lacking a bit of concrete detail that the uh, the WXW. Um, so, actions have, uh, have given us at least yeah I, I would say a reasonable first step and mm. it, it's just it's almost nice to just hear from a promotion you know what I mean I, I, this radio silence is the thing that nearly makes me most uneasy when you just hear nothing whatsoever and, and you wonder is anything happening so to hear something come out I, I think was positive um, there are definite positive steps in there they've appointed a talent liaison officer Um Garda vetting, which, which would basically be the police betting that, that you guys were talking about in Britress. Mm-hmm. Um, they've appointed a board of members with a majority female presence, which I think is, is a positive mood. Uh, move a, conduct, a code of conduct for fans, which they say will be posted at the entrance to every show that they run. Something that has been called for for a long time. So finally getting around to that. They have an email address that fans can now use. Um, and one of the big positives for me is we briefly mentioned the last day about this respect wrestling school in the north of Ireland which really was just a stain on Irish wrestling and a real source of shame and embarrassment for everyone like the the people who were involved in it the people who ran it were just not good people and people you would not want to have around young people people you do not want involved in Irish wrestling that has been taken over by OTT or by the Irish School of Wrestling, I think it is, and they're going to set up the Northern Irish School of Wrestling. So now OTT and their training school will have a presence both in the South and the North. Um, so, yeah, some positives. So, uh, what did you think about it, Emma? Did you have any thoughts on those moves or, or did you think it was enough, I suppose? Um, I, it's hard, like, it is hard because you don't want to say, do you know what, that was a good statement because we really we're not going to know anything until the shows begin, yeah, really. Exactly. Uh, the yeah. one thing I will say that it eased my mind, because I know we were talking about on the last episode, uh, the worry of what was the divide in Irish wrestling, mm-hmm. that yeah. we had the, the Fight Factory and the Irish School of Wrestling. Well, now the board on OTT has three Fight Factory members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, LJ Cleary, uh, Debbie Keitel, Katie Harvey, who are all like LJ Cleary, I think is possibly like not the head coach in Fight Factory, but he's 
he's quite involved there. So you have you've they've brought everyone together. So now Fight Factory kind of has a say in OTT, which is great because it it does kind of lessen my fears of what was going to be essentially the Irish the second Irish Civil War between the two companies. Um so that I I think is positive. It really seems like Joe is working behind the scenes. Um and he always has been kind of a man of action and of few words. Um so I like I am quite pessimistic and negative about everything else, but I want to believe in OTT because it is, you know, my home promotion and mm-hmm. the reason I'm still a wrestling fan, probably. Um but I like I don't know, is there's supposed to be an October show? Is that going to go ahead? Are we going to be able to attend? It really depends on the first show. I don't think we're going to know anything until then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just words on paper, isn't it? Until we, yeah. I don't think we'll know if this thing is genuine until maybe the first shows are back up and running. We'll say, and maybe the first problem arises. So, say I don't know, a fan has an uncomfortable experience at a show. And you actually test out these procedures that have been put in place. You know what I mean? Um, and how that works. You know, I, I would have some concerns about there just being this email address that you can email because yes. who has access to it? Mm. What if your issue is with somebody who's replying to the email? You know, I, I, I feel like there should be an actual in-person presence on show day that somebody can actually literally physically go to at the show and say, look, this is happening that makes me feel uncomfortable or this person is saying things that, that I'm offended by and, and I feel uncomfortable being around this person. Like Joe Cabret is, is a lot of things, but he's not an approachable man. You know what I mean? And I think when you see him on show day, he's, he's in show mode. He's focused on his job. I couldn't see myself going up to him in the middle of a show and saying, look, there's a problem here. Can you help me out? You know what I mean? And their default advice has always been, we'll talk to the ring crew. I think there should be a specific person there that everybody knows who they are, where they are, and you can go to them. I just find this idea of an email address that you don't know who's replying to it. And what if you know that the person you're replying to it is the person you have a problem with, then you're left with nowhere to go. Um, And I think one of the big problems with OTT always has been the fact that Joe does everything. And it's like, it's a well-known thing that like you talk to anyone in Irish wrestling and they say it with awe and respect that Joe is the man who runs the show. He does everything. You know what I mean? He talks himself almost with pride about it. When you hear him interviewed, he will say, I do everything. I book the talent. I, you know, I book the shows. Everything goes through him. He's, he's one man doing everything. Is that realistic in 2020 for one man to be running it? Like, this is a big company now. OTT are not a small, fry little company running a couple of shows, running a show every month or every two months. They're running big stadium shows. They're recognized across the world as possibly the best indie in the world. You know, some of the stuff they've done has been lauded as, as, as some of the best stuff that's ever been seen on the independent scene. This isn't small fry stuff. He needs to delegate. He needs help. I do think he needs a lot of help on issues like this. He needs advice. So I, I'm really hoping that this board of members isn't just a box ticking exercise, that, that they meet once a month, 
on a Skype call for five or 10 minutes and that's it. I, I really hope that the people on it have input and I really hope that he's prepared to listen to the people on it because I think that is an important thing. And, you know, the, the elephant in the room, let's face it, is Scotty and Jordan. Mm. What happens with them? You know, like I, I will not give OTT money again if those guys are involved. I don't want to be in a wrestling venue if they're there. I will not support a company that has those guys involved, you know, and I, again, I don't know if I'm a lone voice in that or if other people support it, but that's my stance on it. And at some point they're going to have to address it, you know, and you can't help but look at WXW, how quickly they dealt with Julian Pace and Jay Skillet, even Rev Pro got rid of Andy Boy Simmons very, very quickly. There was no mm. waiting around. We're three, three weeks out now and we don't know what the situation is with those guys. And until that is properly dealt with and dealt with in a decisive manner where everybody knows the story and there's no half measures where you know we're suspending them for a while and we'll send them off for sensitivity training or something like that and we let them back in in a few months I need it to be decisive and I need it to be fairly cutthroat in how they deal with those guys or, or I won't be a fan of OTT anymore I think that's fair. I think that 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 reflects. Uh, I think where where a lot of people are at the moment. Um, but yeah, same for me. The words look right on paper. It's going to be the actions to follow it up. Um, it's yeah. going to be. It's it's going to. We're going to see, aren't we? Uh, as the weeks go on, if more if allegations come out about more wrestlers or about issues at shows, like you said there, Jamesy, that's when. That's probably when we're going to find out. Um, but yeah, you know, I th- I think at least. It's not radio silence. At least we've got something out there now. It's just, yeah, uh, obviously that's not enough. We need to hold these promotions to account to to act as well and to follow up. Um, one other uh, quick note before we go. Uh, one of the news out that, uh, that we had was Fight Club Pro. Um, probably shouldn't surprise too many people that they've been uh, issuing refunds on all future show tickets and also merchandise, and I believe any season ticket holders um, have been refunded for the uh, remainder of the year and for the period during during lockdown as well. Uh, can't talk about Fight Club Pro without bringing up uh, Will Cooling's uh, metaphor about Fight Club Pro on uh, on his PW Torch podcast, where he kind of mentioned that that only fools and horses metaphor, where once you you know if you've got a broom and you you replace the handle seven times and then you replace that replace the head of the 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 broom. Is it really the same broom at the end of it? If you take out of Fight Club Pro, you know the the after party culture, which has to go because of everything that's you know that's been been alleged. You take away, you know, the owner Martin Zaki. You take away the head trainer Travis Banks. You take away really that 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 blaring of lines fan meets wrestler culture from Fight Club Pro. What do you even have left? I mean, I don't think it'd be a surprise to anyone to see Fight Club Pro never run again or i don't know am i being overconfident there you know a lot of these refunds have been around this year uh and haven't been to- there hasn't been much talk about next year um and what's going to happen there uh i don't know I, I, do, you, do you think how much you think they're done do you think they're done for like I, i'd like to, i'd like to like to say they are but i don't know i had a little i had a little look at their facebook fan group and it is as a, as again will mentioned that his podcast a little bit split there are there are people who are wanting to take it back and you know maybe even rename the promotion and run under some other you know title but kind of keep the same aesthetic i don't know i'm not even sure that's a that's a good idea at this point i do uh, i do think it's done i don't see them coming back um, I don't know how they can. 
Um, and I did, when you're talking about, you know, the refunds, I did a bit of digging into that. Oh, yeah. And I was wondering about, um, I saw people were saying that, you know, they'd ordered merch. Because obviously with, you know, with COVID and everything, a lot of companies were selling merch to try and get a bit of get a bit of money in there. So I think people had ordered like just kind of a, a goodwill sort of gesture more than anything. So people were asking about merch cancellations um, or getting their money back for merch that hadn't been sent out yet. And I talked to someone who had requested um, money back on his merch that he hadn't received yet. He, on the 20th of June and on the 24th of June, he got no reply. And they they tweeted, Fight Club tweeted on the 27th saying that they would um, they would be processing uh, refunds for tickets and for merch. And then this person said, you know, I've already asked for a refund. And I think put in possibly a PayPal dispute. And they said, your order has been dispatched on the 30th of June. So despite people asking for their money back, they were going ahead and dispatching the merch, which is a little bit dodgy. Mm. So you have to want, like, is there, you know, is there people still behind the scenes here running this, hoping to, I don't know, recoup the losses or trying to, trying to get something back? Um, so that's not great if you're screwing over kind of the fans you had that were buying merch through your 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 down period. Um, so I don't know if they come back. Like I mean, they're going to have to completely change the kind the the party culture. Mm. It wasn't working. The mixing the fans and. And the wrestlers, you were putting the fans at risk. Wrestlers were using it as a hunting ground. And that's horrible to say, but they were. I I don't I don't see how people can go on supporting us knowing that that's what this culture brings about. So I would like to think they're done. Yeah, it's, it's hard to... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say with Fight Club Pro because... The thing we, the thing I can categorically, you know, say from from looking at Company House, Glenn Joseph's gone from Progress. From looking at Company House, Andy Boy Simmons is gone from having any involvement in the Portsmouth School of Wrestling, uh, which was his involvement with Rev Pro. When it comes to Fight Club Pro, there's two Fight Club Pro companies. There's one headed by Martin Zaki, and as of today, he's still listed there as the uh, as the person running the show. And there's a second company that's run by Trend Seven Fight Club Pro International, which I think they were going to be using for like you know that weird Mexico show that happened a couple oh, yeah. of years ago oh, and stuff yeah, like Japan that. Well, yeah, yeah, and that guy, yeah, I wonder, you know, they haven't been particularly transparent, you know, James, about like who is actually going to be behind the scenes, you know. Initially, when this all kicked off, it was Trend Seven doing the tweeting from the Fight Club Pro account, and then there were allegations about Trend Seven. And then it was an anonymous Fight Club Pro account that was that was tweeting things out about this. Yeah, I think a, a bit more transparency about who's taking control. Is Martin Zaki definitely gone? Those Is Travis Banks definitely gone? I believe he does still live in Wolverhampton. Those kind of things I would I would love to hear. Maybe just a little bit more uh, vocalness from whoever is uh, behind the, uh, the Fight Club Pro logo at this point. 
Yeah, and and it all just leaves a nagging doubt in your mind. You know, again, we talk about what we think should happen, what we want to happen. And I, I think we're all fairly unanimous, at least on this podcast, in saying that it should just be let die, that it's just so toxic and, and so rotten to the core that it, just let it go and let it drift into nothingness. And, and we just confine it to our memory banks as a very bad thing that happened and we move on. But that's us. And you wonder, is there an appetite amongst the people who did run that promotion or running that promotion that they might be able to kind of slowly but surely ease their way back in? You talked about that Facebook Facebook group and there's the divide. Is there an appetite amongst fans for it to still run? Because you know well that the people who ran Fight Club Pro will be looking at that and thinking, okay, there is at least some large number of people who want us to continue and like promotions have an awful habit of not going away. Maybe it's us being unrealistic to think these like Jesus, IPW UK is still alive. You know what I mean? In some form, after all these years and all these changes of ownership, somehow it's still going. You know what I mean? And will Fight Club Pro be the same? And I, I was thinking the other day, let's say Fight Club Pro said we're going to run a show in January. Do you think they'd sell tickets? Because my fear would be that maybe there wouldn't be as many people looking for tickets as there were before and there wouldn't be the big rush and they mightn't do an 800 crowd. But my worry would be that there would be enough people interested in buying tickets to that show that Fight Club Pro would still feel it viable to run. And that's the big fear I have, that it won't go away, you know. Yeah, it's easy to underestimate, isn't it, the people outside of our immediate Twitter bubble mm, Yeah, who... You know, I still wear it. Like, I was thinking then, Emma, when you were talking about the merch still getting sent out, you know, I was thinking, who'd wear that stuff at this point? There probably are still yeah. people who yeah. would wear that stuff at this point, yeah. isn't there? Who aren't yeah. as maybe connected to the story as we are. Uh, yeah, definitely. And concerning. that's okay. If you, I mean, if you want to hold on to the memories of mm. a promotion and if you're okay with that. But for me, it like, it baffles me that, like, you know, maybe people aren't as in touch and aren't keeping up with the stories. And you know what? That's their prerogative if that's what they want to do. But Martin Zaki literally, and I use the words hunting ground, he literally used his promotion as a hunting ground. For all the screenshots of messages that you've seen, there's a lot more. He used his company's Facebook and his company's Twitter to engage in conversations with, with young females. And like... the that's that's the owner of the company who's still technically there and for people to think ah do you know what that's okay you know men will be men whatever i'm i'm just going to continue going to wrestling and you know maybe a wrestler will give me a high five at the merch table and remember my name from last time i mean if that's the kind of crowd you want going to your shows and Okay, but I won't be attending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't see myself making the uh, the trip to Wolverhampton uh, ever again at this point. Um, I think uh, a lot of fans are, are probably in that same boat as well. Um, I suppose that that's it then, as far as like the headlines go. Is, is there anything else you guys want to, to to cover before we go? Um, oh, actually, I did want to mention the uh, 
the great uh, Emily Pap uh, Pratt podcast on uh, on post uh, where John and Way uh, oh, yeah. interviewed her. Yeah. Um, she's now working for Fan Fighters and Jamesy. She used to work for yeah. for Up Rocks where there were you know there were speaking out allegations uh, coming out of there as well. Uh, I thought she was absolutely incredible in that podcast. That's definitely uh, something people should check out. Yeah, really, really good. Um, and it, it came at a good time for me because it had gotten into a bit of a lull about everything and I, I had nearly kind of stopped thinking about all this for a while and then I listened to that and I was I was fired up again and I couldn't wait to get on here and talk about it all again. So I think it's good. Like it, The whole point is the conversation has to keep happening because wrestling moves so fast, the world moves so fast at the moment that if we don't keep talking about this and keep discussing it and saying what we expect to happen from companies then it does get pushed to the back of the queue and something else will happen and WWE will do something stupid next week and we'll all be talking about that you know what I mean so I think we have a duty as a, as a, as a British wrestling podcast to keep the conversation going let's face it there's nothing else going on in British wrestling for us to talk about and retro shows are something of a minefield in terms of who would be on them and who isn't mm. so like I'm quite willing to, to keep the conversation going here and as I said interviews like that are brilliant because again a female perspective is so important and that's why we're so delighted and honoured to have Emma with us again today to, to give us her insights sure huge honour to have you on again Emma um, anything you'd like to plug yourself either your, your own work or, or elsewhere um, no, I mean, Gorilla Island is on a little hiatus at the moment, but um, we are hoping to come back once we once we work a few things out. So um, just follow Gorilla Island um, and we'll be sure to update you um, and then follow me at O underscore energy. Um, I won't be as insightful on Twitter. I mostly just talk about sandwiches. <laughs> that's the content people want <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah if you want a bit of levity definitely uh, definitely had there uh, a great tour to follow um, but yeah I suppose it, in the meantime uh, head to the post forums uh, if you want to give any feedback for this show or or join in the conversation yourself obviously as James said this is a, a story that will continue uh, we will be back in two weeks hopefully with Martin um, to uh, to chat more about it and uh, and keep this conversation going. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, that's it for us for another show. We'll be back in two weeks. Stay safe, everyone. So yeah. <laughs>